0: Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elites' very own Natalie and Vicky are
1: going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Ontario Wooden is the Associate Vice Chancellor at North Carolina Central University. He grew up in rural southwest Georgia and is passionate about helping low-income and first-generation college students.
2: Ontario did not actually plan a career in higher education, but expected to be an elementary school teacher and perhaps later a school superintendent. However, in his senior year of college, he was elected to be the vice president of the student body
1: and had the opportunity to learn about the way that universities operate and had a close contact with the president and vice presidents on campus. And it totally changed the trajectory of his career.
2: He obtained his college degree in early childhood education at Albany State University and then went on to focus on higher education for his masters and his PhD at Indiana University. He continued to advance and became a research associate and
1: instructor while completing his graduate and doctoral programs.
2: After 12 years, Ontario is still with NCCU and is currently the Associate Chancellor for Student Success and Academic Outreach.
1: So on this week's episode of Industry Elites, we're excited to welcome Ontario Wooden, who is the Associate Vice Chancellor at North Carolina Central University. Thanks for coming on the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Ontario, as we ask most of our guests lately, it's been a common theme that we're discussing, but how has COVID affected you personally and professionally? Are things opening back up where you are now or are things locking up again? For us, it's locking up again, so we don't know how it is for other people.
0: (laughs) Gotcha, so the answer to that question depends on how much time you have. You know, COVID, I mean, totally reshaped my life. So I'll talk about the personal first. My wife and I found ourselves uh, in a situation where we were both working from home. She took my office, so I ended up at a table downstairs. Um, She was allowed to talk loudly on her calls, but I had to whisper on my calls, her rules, not mine. Uh, we, we, We were fortunate though, And that our son's childcare center remained open during the the process. So we didn't have to, we didn't have many days of dealing with our 14-year-old running around while we were attempting to get work done. But I also think it was really helpful for for me and my wife to get that time together. So that was a positive there in the personal life. The work life, as you mentioned, I'm at a university. And so literally in March, you shut things down, we send students home. Uh, students end up online taking courses. Students ended up also taking all online courses through the summer and this semester, or doing some variations of face-to-face, hybrid, and online. So it has changed the way we've done business from a professional standpoint. Uh, we have been having Zoom meetings and Skype meetings. For and sure. Webex meetings. You know, you learn just how much you can get done away from the office, so you start to ask the question of do I really need to go in the office every day, but you also learn or you develop a newfound respect for those folks who work from home because you have to learn how to create boundaries uh, in order to stay healthy, so it's been different. It's been very different. Things are starting to open back up down here. Hopefully we can stay on that path, but We don't follow directions very well uh, in the United States, and so we will see. We will see.
2: Well, yeah, we've definitely had a lot of changes around here, at least um, in Canada. We were, I guess, kind of following the rules, and then ever since the schools opened, it's kind of increased. We've had, yesterday, we had the same amount of cases that we've had per day in this province since May, so we're definitely kind of on that very
0: direction yeah yeah we're
2: on a not so gradual updraft (laughs) so they're kind of going to actually be announcing today um later this evening to see kind of where we're going to go from this as a lot of offices too have been reopened ours still isn't and there's some estimating that it won't be open till late into 2021 and possibly for certain departments never so this is definitely kind of changing the landscape with that work from home no, have you sure. found a hindrance in between your work life balance now that you're kind of working at home now all the time
0: i think it has made me not want to leave the house we are ordering hello fresh we are yeah. ordering from target we are ordering from amazon to pass the time and so there are definite impacts. And what, what, what you find is at the end of the month, you spent way more money staying at home than you thought. It's like, wait, I've been at home. Why have I spent more money this month? Well, Amazon and Target and HelloFresh. And so that, that has definitely been different. But the other thing is, you know, we've been able to get together with friends Via Zoom and have game nights and celebrate birthdays and so that's that's been different but but it's been fun it's been fun it's been a way for us to to stay connected to friends and family and so there's uh, the silver lining if you will
1: yeah for sure I think it's always good to look at the silver lining of situations I know from a lot of our previous podcasts several people have always mentioned how even though obviously the negative sides of COVID but The positive sides have always been seeming like this is our opportunity to kind of take a step back, to slow down and to also kind of reevaluate where things were at previously. And maybe for the business side of things, some individuals were utilizing the time to reevaluate and to move in a different direction coming out of it or just to ask some necessary questions that you don't always get the chance to ask because we're always finding ourselves so quickly on the move to the next thing. So one of the other important pieces, I'm sure, of your job and just the theme of what your job surrounds itself on is education. So how do you really think the education process has been affected by COVID? And obviously, you have a child as well. So I'm sure from a personal perspective, that has impacted you too.
0: So what what I will say is, you know, moving away from the silver lining piece for a moment, Mm -hmm. COVID has allowed for us to revisit a number of the inequities in our society as we think about you know students not being physically at school as we think about virtual learning as we think about some some things seemingly as simple as as eating you know that there's a segment of our society uh, who are and have been disenfranchised and so uh, there there are students around the country who don't have the broadband or internet access uh, to be able to do the virtual learning uh, experiences that that schools are, are are now hosting, we know that there are, are children who depend on the school breakfast and lunch program in order to have a nutritious meal or even a meal at all. So you know you start to wonder what's happening in those communities where the local school system or the community has not banded together uh, to ensure that that those opportunities continue. And so while there are so many positive aspects to the family and the life experience around COVID, there are those uh, negatives that educational leaders are now having to, 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 to grapple with. And you know, one of the things that we talk a lot in education about is learning styles. And so for students who don't learn well uh, in the virtual environment, what do we know about their educational gains and possibly educational losses during this pandemic period as well? And so the challenges run the gamut I am uh, hopeful that school leaders and school districts and university leaders are working on uh, the situations one at a time because, of course, you can't fix everything at once. But I'm hoping over time, even after the COVID pandemic has passed, fingers crossed, there will be lessons from this experience that we will carry forward in educating children.
2: Do you think that possibly going forward that as educators, we might start offering online courses to kind of high school and below as something to kind of bridge the gap? Or do you think once everything goes back to normal, whatever that normal would be, do you think that kind of learning process would be scrapped completely?
0: You know, you uh, raise a, a good point. I think, you know, in communities where the virtual learning has taken off, where the challenges have been few, where depending on whatever type of assessments uh, are being used, if students are performing well, then I think that definitely becomes an option. And to the extent that moving to virtual learning uh, might decrease the need to build a new school building, I think it could be helpful. Of course, you know we'd have to see what policymakers say about that as it relates to state funding for education and the like. But I do think that that, that could be a possibility. I mean, when you think about the number of uh, children around the world uh, who are homeschooled, depending upon the technology, the internet and broadband, uh, to be able to do that, we do have models in place for it. Um, And so I do think that public school systems, private school systems alike, should be open to that idea.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely something to take into account. And obviously, no one has ever experienced what we're all going through now. So I think essentially everything is very much a learning curve. That being said, we were talking about work-life balance. And I think a lot of us were struggling with the difficulties of finding that balance when you're doing everything from home. There's no separation of going to the office, taking your drive, even going out to get lunch, but you're constantly at home and then you're finishing your work day and your computer and your office are only maybe like a floor above. So it's a lot to really take in. And then if we're having difficulties, I can only imagine students with online learning, how much difficulties are obviously surrounds that, just in the learning sense of things. So do you think that there's the chance that students will be able to excel in that or is there just too many gaps?
0: Well, I mean, one, one of the things that, that we do at many stages in the educational process is do individual assessments. And so I think as it relates to you know, determining whether students are gaining or whether students uh, are losing will be something that will have to be assessed on an individual basis. I think in cases where there are students who are doing well, students who are gaining, then, you know, hey, there's a lesson learned. I think in the spaces where students aren't doing well, we start to find where we need to redouble uh, our efforts. And what what we do know is for the most part, that's going to be in urban and rural areas alike.
1: No, that's definitely something, again, I think we It's a consideration factor, right? Because looking at, I think for university students and college students, online learning is something that's very much integrated into the curriculums and everything that follows that. But I can imagine that anything younger, even like high school or elementary students, it probably includes a lot of parents or adults or even like older siblings involvement just to be able to help them get over maybe some small hurdles that they might be having. So if there's already some difficulties there or like they don't even have computers or whatever obstacles they have to overcome in a home sense, I can probably see how that would be extremely difficult.
0: Well, you, ra- you raise a good point. I mean, think about the uh, children who uh, don't necessarily have uh, a parent or a guardian who's capable of, of helping them to, to do those types um, things, you know, are able to provide that type of support. So definitely that provides challenge for them as well. I will tell you that the students who are in K-12 and the students who are in college now, Mm -hmm. they grew up on the technology. That's Uh, true, too. I think that, you know, even pre-COVID, these students had adapted well to technology uh, and were open to learning in a number of different learning environments I think what happens is that when you throw everything in the online or in the virtual space there are a number of things that interact at the same time so now my entire class schedule is online Mm -hmm. I am no longer able to connect or hang out with with friends at school after school the way that I used to I'm stuck in the house with parents and You know, that can get contentious at times. And so I think, you know, students are now finding themselves grappling with so many things at once that sometimes it can probably be difficult to find out if it's the technology, if it's the lack of uh, association with friends, if it's too much stress from, you know, family. So there are a number of factors that are intersecting right now.
2: I don't know if you're familiar with but a couple weeks ago there was this video that went viral where these two little girls, I believe it was outside Taco Bell, they kind of <laughs> set up camp. No, here we are, here we are. They these two little girls, they were I don't know. They
0: were doing homework on the yeah. sidewalk.
2: Yeah, oh, they I were, didn't see that video.
0: Yeah, they, right, Wi-Fi.
2: Yeah, they were literally oh. sitting on a curb outside yep. of a restaurant to it. get the Wi-Fi. And that was the saddest thing. Like that genuinely broke my heart. I was kind of curious, do you know if there's any kind of programs out there that can assist kids like that during this time? Like, I, I realize it's probably maybe too early in the game to have things like that kind of set up, but do you think that's something that's going to exist going forward if it doesn't already?
0: Well, I will tell you that I, I saw that story and it you know, definitely uh, touched me as well. But there are a number of school systems around the country that are using school buses. They, they put hotspots on the school bus and they park in certain areas in order to give students in neighborhoods that are disenfranchised uh, access oh, wow. to uh, internet. There are also school systems that are giving families the hotspots to be able to use. On my campus, that's an effort as well. Chromebooks as well. and so. There is that situation that went viral with those two young people, but there are um, school systems that are working hard every day to mitigate those challenges.
2: Kind of on the same point there, is there anything that the schools are kind of providing to give tips to the parents kind of helping their children through online schooling? Because I know if this happened when I was growing up, like I was the only one who knew how to use the DVD player. So that definitely (laughs) would have been a huge learning curve for my parents.
0: Right. So most colleges and universities have an office of parent and family programs or they have a family support office. And you know, so those offices are definitely in high demand now as uh, families try to work through challenges associated with COVID, with their students being on campus and the parents being at home or even with their students being at home virtually. So there are some support systems uh, in place for families through those offices. And even if those offices don't exist, on campuses, um, offices of student affairs, houses and universities are very well equipped uh, to support families through these processes. In K-12 schools, many of them have family relations uh, offices or parent and family relations offices that help to uh, work through some of the challenges uh, and crisis times. And so I will say that I'm sure that many of these offices are working overtime in order to support families through this, this difficult period. And so, you know, one of the things that is, is a foundational part of the educational process is the involvement of families, is the involvement of communities, because it really does take a village to, to raise and to educate uh, a child. And so I'll, I'll say that most educational organizations were prepared to deal with that side of things.
1: Well, I mean, that's good that things were already in place, because I think having to start with everything completely from scratch would be completely overwhelming, more so than... Yeah, exactly. Like, that would be its own pandemic, I'm sure. (laughs) All on its own. So one of the things that we've actually talked about, Vicky and I, before is it sounds, I guess, minimalistic in the sense of everything we might be going through in the world, but starting college and university and being a first year having that experience and just having those certain tools that we were offered kind of starting our first few weeks of school that's not something that a lot of those students are getting to experience so i was wondering maybe at your university you can explain some of it but what are you guys doing in terms of having students getting to feel that sense of belonging when entering into their first few first year and first few weeks
0: well, I'll tell you, I, I perked up when you use that phrase sense of belonging. Sense of belonging is, is a foundation uh, of college student success, student retention and student graduation. Depending on the state that, you know, the university is in, there are uh, state limitations on the number of students who can gather in a particular space at a, at a time. I know on our campus, we are planning activities for students, social activities, uh, wellness activities, definitely around those caps and those limits. Student leadership, so student government associations, student activities boards uh, are also uh, involved in that planning process. This was an occasion where we had to step back and learn from students. Yeah. Uh, so our students are teaching us how they socialize and how they have fun in this environment. A few years ago, there were these things that took off I think were they called silent parties or something. Oh,
1: They're, okay, yes.
0: You know, you go into a room, put on the headset, yeah. Everyone have their their headset on and they'd be dancing and you know, they'd be at a party. Mm-hmm. Well, given COVID, now is the perfect time to pull that activity out. True. And so there there were things that were going on before COVID that students are still able to do. Remember, Facebook kicked off in a college dorm room. And so students had oh, true also developed uh, or have been able to develop their identity or an alternate uh, identity in the social media space for a few decades now without having interaction with other people. And so there are things that college students have been doing for a while now that uh, have allowed them to remain connected and develop some uh, sense of belonging in a space, even before we thought about the challenges that not physically being able to see each other or touch each other, you know, kind of reared their heads with the with COVID. So we're, we're using some of those old things that we already had, integrating some of the new things with the goal of supporting students as they uh, learn in a number of different modalities. So whether you're taking all of your classes online, whether you're taking all of your classes face-to-face, whether you're doing some hybrid combination of online and face-to-face, there are appropriate social activities and more being developed over time as we get better at it to help students feel um, that connectedness and that sense of belonging on campus.
2: Yeah, for sure. What are some tips that you would want to share with students to make sure that they are going to be successful in this kind of new normal online space?
0: I think that one of the things that students need to always work to do is to remain calm, find a place to do some meditating, to do some mindfulness activities, but to create a, a space where they can find some sense of equilibrium because that, that always helps. The other thing I'd say is, you know, have the confidence that you're going to get through it and that you're not going through it by yourself. Connected to that, I, I'd say ask for help, whether, yeah. you know, that's help from a family member or a friend or a, un, a university administrator. Again, they're not going through this alone. Uh, we're all trying to work through feeling connected to something or someone. We're all trying definitely. to work through, you know, how to make sense of life, spending so much time in front of uh, the computer screen and the TV screen. So asking for help definitely helps. And when all else fails, like sometimes you just need to get out, take a breather, go for a walk, get on a bike, do some exercise. But but yeah, definitely taking care of your own mental health, uh, your personal health is a foundation, but always being willing to ask for help.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a big piece of it is the asking for help part. And I think that sometimes people do have difficulty asking for help. And obviously the shortage, there's no shortage story on anxiety and mental health issues Absolutely. that have come across for individuals now, especially during COVID, right? It's only kind of increased. So is there specific um, items in in place already to help Really, students through like some any mental health issues or anxiety because I know there is like you when we're in university or college, you could obviously go see the counselor and you have that chat with them, and obviously they would help and check in on you. So, is that same uh, interactions interchanged to an online basis as well?
0: Well, absolutely. And so, uh, right now on our campus, you can actually get that service both ways you can okay, uh, do you can do counseling face to face, or you can set up a virtual appointment. And so that support service is still there. We are also offering online tutoring services from uh, this company called Upswing. And so students are able to get online tutoring via Upswing. We're also providing online student support services. uh, So that kind of academic coaching, academic counseling piece in the virtual environment as well. And so what we've really done is an audit of our support services across campus and to the extent possible converted you know most if not all of of that work to the virtual environment. Mm -hmm. So having a camera phone or a camera on your laptop or camera attached to your desktop keeps you totally connected to all of the services.
1: That's crazy at the same time. Obviously it's worked to be beneficial and it's proven that we've essentially needed all of those tools in order to keep successful and keep integrated within society and I guess looking back on it like a lot of the times Facebook always had groups made for different classes so if you had like discussions you'd always have your Facebook friends added from your classroom so yeah I guess we stop and realize how integrated this all really was prior to even really needing it I guess.
0: Oh absolutely you know one of the things that if we take a, a step back to think about before COVID and I, I don't mean to use this, uh, you know, loosely or in, in any type of flippant yeah. way, but you know, lots of us ended up in situations uh, where we develop some codependence, if you will, on friends, on you know, teachers, uh, on a particular particular location on campus. And now that you know, we may not you know have that physical connection as much as we used to. The technology really does allow us in some ways to continue to have those connections. And so, with all of the challenges uh, that COVID has brought about, that even the technology has brought about, you know, being able to pick the phone up and FaceTime my wife or FaceTime a friend really does calm things down a bit when everyone is feeling so isolated at, at this time.
1: Yeah, there, no, there's definitely assets with, I think or positive story with everything that we can be doing and can be utilizing. Just, I guess, touching base on the progress that the education system has made over the years. Do you think that that's a, this is essentially putting a halt to it. And also with a side question, do you think that online learning is a full replacement for in-person learning? Or do you think that there's always still going to be that benefit of in-person learning?
0: I definitely say that the, Online learning piece during COVID has definitely slowed down uh, mm-hmm. progress. You know, I, I think even though the online environment may not be perfect for most students, we have to give educators some credit for finding a way to continue or to go you know, to continue to oh, definitely, to have yeah, opportunity to connect to at least be introduced to some new material, even if the learning gains uh, aren't as much as we would have wanted uh, them to be. So I'd say slowing down. And you know, I, I this is not a replacement for face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there uh, will continue to be a need for teachers and classrooms and school buildings and, and students even being able to be in the classroom together to not only learn from a teacher or a professor, Uh, but to also learn from each other. I mean, think about all the classes uh, that you took either in K-12 or college, where there was a classmate that actually helped you understand a concept better than a teacher did. And so, you know, while students may not necessarily in a traditional sense, even even aren't even having those experiences right now, you know, they're still able to connect with each other via text message or via FaceTime or via a Facebook group or some other chat in order to be able to, in order to be able to exchange ideas. And so I I think there are enough positive things going on uh, to make some progress, but to be where we were, no, no, it's definitely slowed down.
1: Yeah. And as you said, though, it's definitely understandable. And we do want to commend teachers. I think that's not something that we want to lose sight of is that they've had to essentially rearrange. What? Sorry?
0: We need teachers. Oh
1: yes. <laughs> exactly. I think some of the teachers get a little bit of the a little bit of heat, but then when I have to think about putting myself in their shoes and taking on that role, yes. I it would be really difficult to do because you've learned your job a specific way. And obviously, yes, we've all had to adjust the way we do our jobs, but essentially we're still doing the same task pretty much, right? Like we're answering our emails, we're getting on phone calls, like instead of meetings, you're just having them over the phone or on Zoom. But now like you're trying to connect with children and um, and really teach them something that's going to impact the, their like trajectory line, if that makes sense. And if you could yes. say that for a person aspect, but one of the things that you touched on was building the relationships in general. And obviously, something that is important in college university is building relationships with your professors. So some of the things we touched on before and that we've heard from students is that or I've also experienced is you're wanting to build those relationships with teachers and professors because if you're wanting a letter of recommendation or if you're needing some extra help or an extra hand with things, having that relationship with a professor is obviously key. So do you think it's easier now? Because I know that was always intimidating for myself and for other students. Okay, we don't really want to go actually talk to the prof, Uh but maybe if I could just send them an email. So do you think that's kind of hopefully going to help them and get that relationship built or you think that's it's not really going to connect as well.
0: Well, let me just tell you, I think um, that building relationships is the foundation uh, of this whole idea of sense of belonging, uh, especially mm-hmm. on college campuses. Uh, as I tell my colleagues, the art in relationship is the art in student retention. Uh, yeah. and so there is some connection there. I feel very badly for professors right now, <laughs> right now, because imagine all of the requests are coming via email or text yeah. chat right now. So you know students would walk out of the classroom and ask a question or ask a question walking in now all of those things are coming through for the most part via a text a chat an email mm-hmm. and so i i think it's made it easier for students to reach out to ask for that recommendation Maybe a little too easy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yep yeah, to reach out and ask for those things but i also think it's now put new pressure on faculty and on teachers okay to be able to respond to all of those demands. And then you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, let me remember the person's face that I'm texting yeah, or typing back to. And so I, I think it's kind of shifted, you know, where whereas in the past, students were a bit anxious uh, about making those requests. I think now students are like putting it all out there. It's like a
1: free-for-all. Uh,
0: absolutely. And faculty <laughs> members are now saying, wait a minute, who, who am I emailing back? Who am I texting yeah. back? And so th- there's been a shift in that. But I think definitely helpful towards uh, creating those relationships, much needed relationships.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think another thing that we can maybe touch on is how or, how would universities and colleges go about keeping students accountable? So obviously, everybody has their deadlines and teachers and profs would input like their syllabus or whatever their semester's plans were. And obviously, there was always those students who needed a little bit of an extension or wouldn't be able to get things back right away. And obviously, there'd be a mountain of excuses, whether some were true, I'm sure, and some were equally not as true. But how can teachers now go about keeping their students accountable? Do you think that's something that they're going to have to overcome as well? Or you think it's not really an issue?
0: Oh, no, Uh, accountability on a number of levels is both an opportunity and and a challenge right now. You know, there are faculty members who are timing assignments. And so you log into the system, you're Assignment quiz test stays active for thirty minutes or an hour, and then it shuts down. And so that you know continues to send the message to students: Hey, you need to be uh, aware of, of time. You need to you know manage yourself, even uh, in the same environment. Using the the lockdown browsers uh, on the laptops, and so that students can't open up uh, new web browsers, just look, browsers to look up answers.
1: Oh gosh, test. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, but it makes sense. It's smart.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The look up. Uh, answers uh, on tests and on quizzes. And so accountability is taking place in, in lots of uh, areas right now. I called a friend the other day, and he was actually, you know, he's a, an assistant principal, and he was actually doing an observation uh, of a teacher in the virtual environment. Oh, uh, And so I, you know, I, I think folks have become really uh, creative and innovative in finding ways to make this work. That, that again, even post-COVID, I think some of these things are going to remain in place because the need to have folks physically in an office or as many people physically in a classroom will reduce to a degree.
1: I think that's true. I think there's going to be a lot more office space. People aren't going to be on top of each other as much as they maybe were before. And that's definitely for well, sure.
0: I, I read somewhere a few weeks ago that companies have already started, you know, selling their buildings and have already decided that their folks can work from home.
1: Well, that's a lot of accountability aspects, too, because I think one of the things we've chatted about is the employers that didn't really see working from home as a benefit because there were so many obstacles or things that could potentially get in the way of being more focused and obviously completing their job. But I think there was a, a poll that I read that people found that they were more busy and they were finishing more things actually being at home versus being in the office because they're like, okay, well, you're not having your 15 minute coffee break, like if you have maybe like three times a day, you're not maybe leaving your office for your full hour or half hour break of lunch. So it was taking out that social aspect, which I think obviously a lot of people enjoy out of that work environment when we get positive feelings from, and now it's purely on a work basis and finishing a lot more stuff than I think a lot of us thought. So it was a bit surprising too.
0: Oh, I mean, think about, think about it. There are folks who have an hour or two hour commute every morning Mm -hmm. and the same thing in the afternoon. Those folks have immediately gained like two to four hours back. You
2: know,
0: <laughs> you know, of sleep or of work or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, in, and then on top of the commute, it's the getting the coffee once you get to the office. It's the scamming the Internet for the news. It's the visiting with your colleague next door and then repeating that same thing in the afternoon. I mean, so there are some folks who probably have gained six additional hours in their day. Think it's about it. It's
1: true. No, that. it's definitely true. And I think that just goes back to when we were saying that, obviously, covid the COVID been a lot of our main discussions just because of how much I think we've all learned from it whether it's positive whether it's negative but right. when we're actually stopping and taking that pause you realize I guess the gaps in a system you realize the time you spent doing all these additional things that maybe weren't requirements or just finding ways to make things a bit more uh, more efficient I mean there really can't be anything wrong in recognizing that whether they were good or bad so even talking about your job specifically and your role in the university how do you think that your position has mainly changed i know you said that you guys had kind of kind of evaluated all of the support services that yes. you guys were offering and ensuring that was online so was that like your main role and your main task for over these period a few months or just give us an overview i guess
0: well you know that that's just one of the things looking at the support services and figuring out how many of those things we can uh, move online or move to uh, a virtual environment has definitely been helpful. But you know, even the one-on-one meetings now being able to do yeah. those uh, via WebEx, being able to do uh, the team meetings via WebEx, being able to meet with external partners via WebEx as well, and so literally, you know, I could be at home in my pajamas getting the work done.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. You know,
0: that, that's definitely a uh, change. But what I also have noticed is um, over the last six or so months, not working from the office with the team has made me feel a little bit of a disconnect from the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. there really is some value in, you know, sharing the hall and bumping into each other on the way to the restroom or in the break room or whatever. That really does build a sense of community, uh, a sense of for belonging. Sure. So, and so while while working from home for some, maybe the plan going forward, I am really hoping uh, that <laughs> that will not be the case for me or my team yeah. uh, for the long-term future because I, I really benefit, I think, from being around colleagues and being around thought partners and even being able to have, you know, students pop in and pop out of the office. But one of the things that I do know is that whether you know, you're like me in higher education, whether you're in public education, whether you're in a private sector, all of us have found ways to be nimble, to pivot mm-hmm. in ways that we never thought about before. For every person that you know that's really planned or really structured, I mean, think about the way COVID has changed them. And some of them will be yeah. changed for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm one of them, I think.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think all of us have taken a little bit of something. And if I feel like it would, we can all presume that in some way or another, I'm sure something for someone has changed and will forever be changed. So I think that that was most of my discussion, what I wanted to talk about um, and what we wanted to really dive deep into in our podcast today. So is there any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with?
0: Well, there is one final thought. You know, COVID has impacted us in a number of ways, uh, as we both share, the the three of us have shared in some ways over the the course of the podcast. But COVID has also allowed for uh, us in many ways to advance ourselves professionally. And so I have taken on a new role at another university, and so I am now the provost and senior vice president for academic affairs.
1: Oh, congratulations. Uh,
0: thank, thank you, at Alcorn State University in Lorman, Mississippi. So,
1: Oh, wow, uh, that's awesome.
0: Moving 12 hours away from, oh, North, wow. Carolina to, <laughs> right, uh, from North Carolina to Mississippi and uh, looking forward to this new venture for myself and for my family, but definitely continuing to work through and grapple with some of the Same challenges related to COVID and student success that uh, I worked on at North Carolina Central and over the course of my career. So just wanted to share that.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yes, I was on a side note, I'll edit this out, but I was wondering, I was like, oh, I hope he got it. He didn't say anything.
0: Oh, oh, I did. I did. That's awesome. And and on a side note, yeah and on a side note uh i'm like this is my first week i'm actually here
1: <laughs> oh so this is oh that's so that's your new office you're getting into it. you're uh figuring out your space that's awesome yes
0: yes yes and uh oh, so it, it, it's been amazing so far i um you know a hurricane came through the, the oh. last week and so oh my gosh. i started down on friday and I, i'm done last thursday and i got in on friday got to visit with some folks in the office last yes. friday afternoon and I'm temporarily living on campus, so I'm here with all the equity. And oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's been a been a good week so far.
1: Well, it's a good week, but I'm sure it's been a lot. So I appreciate yes. you taking the time to get on the podcast today and just really have some really good discussion, I think, on yes. some key issues that a lot of I'm sure educators are going through and those in the education field. So thanks for coming on today.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity.